Hey, Trey. Welcome back. Yes. It's been a number of weeks. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, but... You know what? It's December, not our fault. December is so busy. I, I saw a tweet the other day that, that said the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas is probably the worst time in anybody's life to get anything done. That's fair. Um, and I felt that very much this year. That's fair. Yeah. And you had finals. I had, yep, finals week. I'm officially done. So we will not be talking about group projects. How'd it go? How I, did it end? I, you have to give a satisfying conclusion. I, I do. Have, I actually have a very cathartic conclusion. Okay. Um, everything got done. One of the group projects. Wow. Yeah, everything was finished. One of For one of the group projects, the, for like, we were supposed to, do our final presentation, and our professor got sick, so we just had to send in a recording. And Ooh. I was like, oh, there is, Santa got my letter. There is a God. And then for the second group project, um, yeah. It, Did you just imply that Santa is God? Yes, as a, a, Fair enough. a Jewish person, I believe that Santa is God. Um, and then for the second group project, the... Um, the professor had us do a, a review and a five-page reflection, which we could have done as a group or individually or any combination. And I immediately told the group, I will be doing it alone. Amazing. So they have to figure it out. And it was a five-page paper just dragging them. Mm -hmm. Just like detail, very detailed, very specific examples mm -hmm. of what everyone did and didn't do and how the entire... Like it was like this was stressful mm -hmm. because I pretty much had to do it myself, and I also kind of read the professor a little bit for like I was like you set it up this way, like you didn't set up the group project in a way that holds anybody accountable throughout this. Sure. And so like whether or not you're like well I'll dock points at the end if you say that they didn't do work, I'm like yeah, but I still had the stress. I still had to do a lot of work. Right. So it doesn't take that back. It doesn't I don't care that they're getting a lower grade. It doesn't help me. Like right. so it was very cathartic and finals are done and we will not be talking about group projects until probably next semester when I have more group projects. Oh my god. That's awful. Hopefully I hopefully There's I don't. So many though. group projects. I know that for two out of the four of my classes I won't have any like real group projects, but we'll see about the other two. That's terrifying. Yes. I do have, you know what? I do have good news. You're hearing major news live. Everyone, this is Trey's real reaction to this. I have started the process of purchasing a home. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I got pre-approved for a loan and I have a realtor and I am oh, wow. meeting with her to discuss, like I've already spoken with her and we're meeting over Zoom to discuss how everything's going to go on Monday. That's so exciting. I know. I'm very excited. It's a, it's owning a home is, you know, its own special little nightmare. I'm getting a condo. I'm not, oh, please. There we go. I can't, I, w single person income, I'm, it's going to be a condo. Yeah. I can't afford a house. Or it'll be the smallest house you've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, but I don't. Tiny yeah, home. A tiny home. I don't want to live in No, I need some space, but I don't like, I, I don't need a full home right now. So it'll just be a nice condo. That's exciting. Yeah. Owning property is good. Sure. So I've been told. <laughs> I think, well, it's a, again, it's not a home, so it's going to be a little bit different and I think sure. a little bit more manageable for me. Sure. That's you, exciting. Yes, it is. How have you been these past, you know, it's been like a year, right? Stressed. Yeah. Stressed and busy. Mm hmm. 
stressed, blessed, and busy, and booked, and blessed. That's yep. That's the yep. That's, that's the phrase. All of those things. I'm prepping for a bunch of shows coming up. Nice. That's exciting, though. Yep. Doing shows. Songs for a New World is coming up, which nice. is oh yeah, super fun. Great show. Um, with Chantel, who we just had on the podcast. Yes. And uh, my friends Jermaine and Steph, and mm-hmm. it'll be wonderful. I'm it's, excited. Uh, a really unique experience, which I think I don't know if we've covered anything like this before, but like it's a very unique experience because all four of us are like trained singers and mm-hmm. trained musicians. So there was no audition for this. No, was no, there? no, no yeah, no. this was a this is a like handpicked. It's like a small show. Steph is directing as well. Oh, cool! So she just kind of picked the people she wanted to work with, which Perfect. is super nice. And and I felt listen, we've done it. Yeah, we have, and I have I no felt, problem with it. I felt really uh, honored. You know, that's always a nice feeling yeah. for someone to be like, "No, but I want you to do this." Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it probably helps that we just did Brent together. Yeah, uh, but all four of us are trained singers, trained musicians, and so it's a really unique experience where. We just all kind of like, yes, there's learning of harmonies because those harmonies are really dense in yeah. the show. But um, it's a lot of just like, we come into rehearsal, we sing through the song, and that's the end of the rehearsal. It's great. Yeah, you well, that's because you guys haven't gotten to our topic for this episode yet. Oh, well, true. But I looks don't, at, I'm, I don't think it'll be a problem. Forgets what we're talking about, looks at the outline and remembers, audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. I can only remember like two or three things at a time. That's fair. Goldfish, goldfish brain. Goldfish brain. Yeah. Goldfish brain <laughs> is what I just said. We'll have to edit that out, but we won't. Um, That's fair. I forget what you look like very easily. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Same. Same. Uh, yeah. So, what are we talking about today, Adam? We are talking about something I'm probably the most critical of when I see a show, which is the stage directing. We've talked about music directing. This is the, I and I call it stage directing because, I don't know, it just feels a little bit rude to music directors that you're like, you're the music director and this person is the director. And I'm like, no, you guys direct, you're both directors and you direct different things. So we're talking about stage directing. Mm. This is. The, Not to get us yeah. immediately sidetracked, but. <laughs> well, why else do I it's have a, you here, Trey? It's a very. Interesting thing you just brought up that I've always felt like uh, music directors in a musical need mm-hmm. to have as mu- at least as much say as the like as the director. Yeah, what you've so wittingly called the stage director. I don't think I, it's. W- I think that's what it's called. Yeah, I. Um... <laughs> that's actually just like what it's called, and we kind of just. Decide, like, oh, we're just going to call him the director. And there are reasons for that that we can get yeah. into. But well, I think that, you know, I think that when it comes to, like, <sighs> casting and, and, and what's going on, I think I think the, a lot of music directors get pushed aside yes. to, like, a secondary. You know, it, it always is kind of like the director is on top and then under the director mm-hmm. is the music director and then... Like choreographer, choreographer and other things, stage manager, stage manager other things. When really that, that isn't necessarily probably the most efficient way. I guess it depends on the person, but depends on the person, depends on the show, depends on the the um, theater. Yeah, but I agree that it. I don't think I don't think we have ever seen it any other way. 
and it that doesn't make sense or at least sure. i haven't well yeah i mean like i'm lucky that the directors that i work with are very collaborative mm-hmm. and that's why i work with the directors that i like to work with mm-hmm. um so you know certainly there's a there's like a give and take of like you know I'll sometimes see something and say, this isn't maybe going to work because they have to do the, you know, they have to breathe a certain way. They have to hold right. out very, you know, things that absolutely have to do with like the stage direction. Whereas like, you know, I have directors that I work with who I'm totally comfortable with being like, hey, could this actually sound like a little more like this? Like, mm-hmm. what do you think about? And I'm totally right. fine with that. And that's, that's just a part of being like in a collaborative process with someone. Right. Which is really nice that I have that like uh relationship with the people that i team up with yeah but that's not always how it is and i think more often than not what i see is music directors who like are basically there as an accompanist mm-hmm. and like i teach music i plunk out notes for and then people i play the learn, piano for I, rehearsals yeah. and that's all i do right um which is, you know, I think we covered a lot of that mm-hmm. on the music director's episode when I just kind of went off about how wrong I think everything is. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's refocus. I'll stop talking and get into stage directors. Yeah. Well, let's, the first topic, you know what, actually, I do want to, I'm going to go off outline a little bit to talk about that, col- like, it should be in here, the, the collaborative nature of, like, if you are on the creative team with, like, the, the three people who make up the bulk of your show... You know, it, it, in a musical, it'll be your stage director, your music director, and your choreographer. Sure. That, it, like, of what you, of what happens mostly in the show, mm-hmm. your rehearsal process, those are the three people that you work with the most. And I think in in any musical that you do, if, if it's a play, yes, the stage director takes a lot. You might have a choreographer. Um, you might have, like, a mute movement specialist. You might have other people. You might have a fight coach. You might have different things. Mm-hmm. But... Most of what you see in your rehearsals are going to be with the director. In a musical, you've got a lot, uh, three people who are very core to it, and you like you should. It should be a tight collaboration between you three, where you are discussing the themes, you are discussing what kind of vision that you have, what like ultimately like what your goal is with the show with them, so that all artistic um, and creative ideas that you have and you. In- you as a music di- director or a choreographer put into it follow that theme so you don't have three separate things happening right. that you then sandwich at the very end and try to make work <laughs> so sure. that means that as a, a stage d- director you should have a you should have a vision you should have like you should think about the themes that you want to add in um and it should be beyond just the staging it should be a little bit beyond like you walk over here and you deliver your line. Then I want you over here and here's where you exit and here like the blocking. Beyond mm-hmm. the blocking, you should have an idea of what is like what is the vision that you have overall for the show and how are the decisions that you are making with the movement and with the blocking going to play into that theme. And that should like again, like I, I said, that should be something that you talk with your entire creative team about so everything is cohesive and not what I see a lot is on the fly of like, yeah. well, I, I in the scene prior, this person is exiting here and this person is exiting here and this is where everybody's put. So choreographer, figure out what you're going to do now. Right. Right. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that that is where the director is for sure like a leader within the confines of the show. Yes. Right? Is that the director is... Um, They're the vision. Yeah, absolutely. They're the ones that are coming forward with um, with ideas about how your show can be unique, mm-hmm. which I think is... I mean, that that's it takes talent. It takes a lot of talent to figure out how to make something concrete unique. Yeah. Um, and I think there are a million different ways to, to do it. And it, it, it takes somebody like sitting down for a second. I mean, I have witnessed for sure, but more so heard about. And I hear about this a lot on like, the high school level, actually, Mm -hmm. like in schools. Well, you know, the director is just, or actually one I got recently Mm -hmm. from a student was, yeah, I asked my director, like, should I not be on stage for this scene? Should I, like, when should I have exited? And the response was, well, I didn't see it in the stage directions that you left. Ooh, (laughs) Yeah, so let's get this out in the air right yeah. now. It's my hill to die on that yeah, nobody's ever it. thought about. This is a um, good one. <laughs> yeah, you've heard this probably a thousand mm-hmm. times. Uh, the stage directions in a script for a play or a musical are there to be read. It's for reading. Mm-hmm. It's for when you're reading the play so you have context about what's going on on stage. It's not to be followed verbatim because most of those stage directions come from a specific performance or uh yeah a specific like performance or production it's literally like as you're doing when you're doing your table read or Mm -hmm. you know in in circumstance i mean we don't see this a lot we yes we do i'm lying when you do play readings in in school if you're like if you're you know Everybody has to read some Shakespeare play when you're in high school, and then when you're in mm-hmm. your, you know, your theater classes in college, right. you are reading, and it's just to help you visualize what's happening. What's um, but it, yes, you are right. It is not meant to like this is exactly what you should do verbatim. It says it in the script, and therefore you need it need to. Obviously, there are things that happen in like the, that stage direction. It has to happen if right. somebody says like I'm leaving goodbye, like. And then it says exit. Yeah, that that should happen. But anyone but, with basic reading comprehension yes. could be like, oh, and now this character should probably leave the right. stage. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with like, with like, you know, you'll have a line and like before the line in parentheses and italics, it'll say like agitated. Right. Or something. It's like that is for the reader. Yes. Not you can necessarily choose for the actor if yeah. you can find something else that makes sense. Yeah. Um, or if there's a better line read to go with, uh, that's what, you know, it's, it's interesting because I also find myself, uh, going through this with like music. I have like kind of stumbled through, not that like I, I took a big break from stage, but even before and after that break, like coming back, I just kind of bounce into these shows that are completely sung through. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's something that's I, I find very interesting that I don't see a lot of directors talking about, or music directors for that matter, is like, yeah, you know, you do need to sing the part, 
correctly, but you can sing it with emotion. Yes. Like when you're talking, like when you're saying lines, you can say lines agitated or sad mm-hmm. or whatever. You can sing it that way yes. too. And it's a lot of the same inflections and just knowing how to like use your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times you don't get those kind of things because there's nothing in like a libretto for a song that says like this line should be agitated. Right. So no one thinks about it. Mm-hmm. So you end up sometimes watching these performances where people, you know, we've we've all mm-hmm. seen it, folks, where it's like somebody with a gorgeous voice on stage singing just dead behind the eyes, right. staring straight at the back wall, just like singing a beautiful song, but with no emotion. In no it. emotion, but also like copying the copying, copying the, the, the yeah, the cast album which like know. you know what if you i if you don't have anything if you don't have the, like the acting chops or you're not thinking about it then at least find copy something that people know but you should be really thinking about how do i want to do this does that mean that like maybe like m- surprise the audience instead of belting that note maybe you go softer maybe you do something lighter and show a different emotional arc yeah which i'm all for like <sighs> you add in the growl add in those like you can do things vocally that like add so much. I'm very and again, this is this is where me collaborating with the people I collaborate with comes in handy. I am very into when I music direct a show, I will state like from the jump, I don't want to hear the soundtrack. Yeah. Cause if I wanna listen to the soundtrack, I'll go home and I'll put the soundtrack on mm-hmm. and I'll listen to those people play it. Most of the time it's <laughs> I hate to say this. Most of the time when someone is copying the soundtrack, it is a very poor imitation of what's going on. Right. You can't expect somebody in a community theater production to copy something from Broadway with these amazing performers and have it be as good or better. But it's I also always like, going to be a, I just, a poor representation. So, you know, I always try to say especially when i'm working with teens to say like you know we're gonna start by learning the ink Mm -hmm. and then we can talk about the places within what the composer has written that we can change things you know when i say that i'm gonna like we're gonna sing the ink a lot of people are like oh so you don't like when people like add riffs and stuff. And I'm like, no, I do option ups, riffs. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like taking something that's really high and belted and turning it into like a falsetto note or backwards, taking something that you feel like should be more emotionally charged that is usually traditionally sung in falsetto and singing it full voice can be a real moment. But um, I'm fine with those things, but I do want you to have a basic understanding of like what's going on first. And then we pick the acting moments and then it sounds different. Yeah. And people come and they're pleasantly surprised. There's a whole thing about um, the new Into the Woods soundtrack mm-hmm. came yep. out not too long ago. And oh God, I can't remember what song it is. But there's one part where Sarah Bareilles sang something differently from like the original Joanna Gleason soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And people were like, I saw a video where someone was like, why does this sound like so like calming when she does it? And somebody responded to it and broke it down and was like, that's because Joanna Gleason 
sang the same melody from the first verse again. Mm-hmm. Sarah Bareilles sang the ink, which that note go that one note goes up a half step. But everybody always hears it as the same note because Joanna Gleason did it on the original soundtrack and thus everybody copied right. her. Sarah Bareilles is the first person that actually sang the part. And surprise, surprise, it sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, all this to say. <laughs> yeah. Getting back on topic. Right. Uh, yeah. So um, that's like that's like a part of the vision is to be able to look at a script and dissect it and say, mm-hmm. here are the moments that we do need to hit that are written out, that, yeah. that make perfect sense, um, that make sense in our space. You know, yes. you have to tailor things to your space. A thousand sometimes percent. entrance, sometimes there's one entrance and exit off of a mm-hmm. stage. Um, and it's like, well, we can't have you know, this massive chase scene happening because we have one door. Right. So we have to figure out a way around mm-hmm. this. And if you're just reading through, okay, now you leave. Okay, now you enter. And it's like everybody's bumping into one another. It doesn't really work, right? Yeah. Um, I like this next thing. Let's talk about this next thing. Yeah. You, you go. I, this is something that I, I mean, I, as somebody, I, I did this with you when, mm-hmm. when I stage sure. directed you, is that you have to, trust your like as a director you have to trust your actors and give them some creative control and allow them to have creative direction and sure. certain things so one of the things that i really enjoyed doing with you and adina was for some songs i was like like we first rehearsal for them i said like let's just sing it let's go for it just sing it and feel it and make choices and we're gonna do that a couple times and like Find choices, use your stage. And other, and then times I'd be like, okay, well, you did this one thing that I really like. We're keeping that. So I, like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I think that trusting your actors also comes down to casting. Yeah. Right? So you cast people that, and this could very easily get back into like, do you cast new people? Do you cast the people you know? But to try to avoid that rabbit hole, I you cast people who you know can take direction mm-hmm. but can also make choices yeah right um my Where... favorite my favorite idea is this idea of like strong choice wrong choice <laughs> where it's like yeah. well that was a good choice but maybe not that um which is fine it's Use totally that time fine to make those mistakes it's and t- correct them. that is what that's fully what rehearsals are there for i mm-hmm. yeah i think that it's really important to um cast people who kind of can navigate their way through a part at the same time you sometimes then find directors who have gotten lucky with that Mm -hmm. and they've cast people where it like they don't have to do a lot of the work like you know really insane cast of People who can come in and basically know it already, make strong choices, it all fits. And I've seen directors who have gotten in, then in situations where they don't have that and they have no idea what to do with that. And he, this is why the, I, I do want to bring this up as like if you it's, it comes down to casting kind of like you but. Where I will say that that's a little bit unfair is that a lot of directors don't do that. 
They sure. like especially like high school. I I remember in high school I was never allowed to make a choice. I was told everything right. to do, where to stand, like it, and 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 that really hindered me because there came a point where I needed to make a choice, and I was right. like, I've never had to think about this, and you know, it 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 takes it was a learning curve of like now I really need to think about it because other t- other times I was like given blocking and I would not move from that blocking or else I'd get in trouble. I mean, all of my favorite directors that I work with are able to strike the balance. Yeah. Between I want to see what you do with this and if you come to them and say I don't know what to do here. They they have an idea. Yeah. And I totally know people who like are very good at also just like making people think that they've made the choice and then like you just kind of like nudge them in the right direction yeah. until it gets there. I yeah, I think that I think that that's important. I think um that ties in with the next point here which is as a director, mm-hmm. right? To have the character motivation discussion early. Yeah. Oh, I like that. So yeah. First of all, have the character motivation discussion. Absolutely. <laughs> have discussions about if you if you've got a if you're a lead, if you've got a support like anything where you have a, An arc. a strong arc. Yeah. That should be like I almost think that the conversation should happen during the audition to see like where your mind is at or if you've even thought about it. So not necessarily like this may not be what you land on, but almost say like, where did like, where do you see this character? I think of something like, um, I think of something like next to normal with Gabe. Like, how do you see this character? Is it a ghost? Is it a figment? Is it like, what is this? What is it an idea? What is it like? What is your underlying thought for this character that is not spoken to the audience? It's like it's like doing an interview for the part. I, yes. Yeah. I don't hate what, that. I don't hate that. As a, I don't hate that as that a concept an audition at all. is an interview for the part. Unbelievably, like, a, like, I agree with you. We, we've agreed. Shut up. We've agreed. And I am also mostly right. So I think like it should be something where you're like, let's talk about this. And that can really separate people who are like, oh, I thought I was just going to like read the lines and like maybe have enough um, emotion in my voice to get the part. So, yeah, well. And it's interesting about that because I have heard directors talk about like auditioning people, right? And saying Mm -hmm. they have a really strong grasp on this character and I want that. And I've also heard directors say they have a strong grasp on this character and therefore I cannot mold this person into that character in my vision vision of the show. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I absolutely see both sides of that. Yeah. Um, it, you know. And that's why it's a conversation. Yes. This is something where like, because we've been with, with stage directors that make choices that aren't appropriate for the show. And God, I think yeah. like you should be like, as a, as a stage director, you should be listening to your actors because as much as you may know the show and your vision, 
your actor will know their part better than you. Well, if someone says, I'm uncomfortable with this, like, I don't know how to get through this yeah. line, this monologue, this scene, what I don't understand, then you need to be able to have that ready to go. You need to have already thought about it. Yeah. Instead of being like, well. Do it anyway. F- figure figure yeah. it out. Just do what I gave you. Yeah. No, have the conversation. Not, that's not, as long as the person is vaguely doing what you told, like, and not like, you know, running through the audience screaming and then right. being like, I don't understand how to do this sign- scene in Guys and Dolls. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like, you have to be able to, uh, you know, that's the thing is like a teacher, right? Uh, that I've always heard is like, you should always have like a couple ways to explain something mm-hmm. ready to go. Yeah. So if somebody says, I don't get that, you have another way to explain it. Sure. Um. But also listen to I, what I what I'm more saying is not not necessarily like motivation, but we've had situations where people are on stage when they shouldn't be on stage and it like doesn't make sense to the story right. or their character, things like that. And listen, listen to them. And, you know, you can admit like, oh, yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. Let's like or let's figure it out. Well, or I mean, this is like an overarching like thing. And I feel like it happens in the arts like a lot mm-hmm. is people are very hesitant to say, oh, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Yeah. I mean, not just in the arts. Everywhere. With yeah. everything. It's so hard to get somebody to just go, you know what? I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't I think thinking. That, I think that fine. comes full force when someone is like, excuse me, this doesn't make any sense. Right. Which, you know, to that aspect, I've I've seen people say that and uh, really do it in kind of an uncouth manner. Oh, sure. Where it's just like, hey, this doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Like, why am I fucking up here? Right. And it's like, OK, well, calm down. Yeah. First of all. Uh, but I think if you approach it like, hey, what? Yeah, I don't think I, don't I should know. be yeah. in the scene because of A, B and C. Yeah. Then, you know, the director should be able to either go. Oh my god, you're right. I totally spaced about that. Mm-hmm. Or We're gonna no, you, actually like, you're yeah. here because blah blah blah. Yeah. Um yeah. Okay, I'm going to let you tell the next story. This is I'm I have to put sum this it up. We we talk about this a lot and um this is something This was very nearly the name of our podcast. This is almost like this is actually second. yeah, this was considered and I vetoed it hard. Um this next I want to talk about vacuuming the sand directing and this is not vacuuming the sand directing is not a common term that you will hear anywhere outside of if you know us but here's the but story now it's going to be hopefully let's make it a thing again across the theater community yes, coining it so here's the story um we were in a show together and I was playing a I guess a waiter and I like it, Waiter in like a a diner type situation, and the scene was, you know, people in the diner, people are leaving. It's kind of almost closing time. It's getting to closing time, and we're about to enter the second act love song. And the director tells me, lit like you're gonna walk on two seconds before this second act <laughs> duet love song begins, and you're gonna wipe down the tables. And, like, put the chairs up and, like, do things that you would do in your closing. And I was, like, in their scene. 
And he's like, yeah, yeah, it, we're going to like really like hit the nail on the head that it is closing time. And it was a really, it was a bad decision. Whatever I did it, I was like, I, my, my feeling that I was bringing was it's the end of the night. Like it's a long shift. I'm, I'm trying to be like every, every, this was in, in Hollywood and every waiter is an actor. So you're like, this isn't what I want to be doing. Let me just like wipe down the tables really quickly, put the chairs up. And also I was doing it really quickly so I could get out of the love song that is happening while the, like there's a, there's the big love number that is happening. It's insane. Fast forward to the next show that I do. And we're working with a choreographer who's like helping us with ensemble movement. And he says, I was watching this show once and a waiter was, you know, uh, putting everything away for the for the evening. And he just looked so lethargic and the actor wasn't giving anything like I didn't see a motivation or a purpose. And I said, that's that was me. He's like, no, it wasn't. It was not you. I said, that was, abs- I know exactly what you're talking about. That was me. And he was like, no, it couldn't have been. And I said the name of the show and the theater. He's like, oh my God. He like felt really, it was, he was a, I, I didn't like him as a choreographer. Like he shouldn't have been doing that. Um, but he definitely had egg on his face that he just said I was a terrible actor in front of me. And I, you know what? I had, I stand by my motivations for that. And so afterwards, I had a conversation. Actually, it was with um, Chantel. I was talking to her, and I was like, because she was like, what was that? Like, that was really weird that that conversation even happened. And I was like, it was bad directing. Like, I was given bad direction, and I tried to do something with it, but it didn't make any sense. It w- And I, like, asked around, like, to people who had seen it. And I was like, did you understand that it was closing time by the fact that the lights were dimming and everyone left? And they're like, yeah, you, you didn't need to do all that. You didn't need to ha- go on stage. And I was like, we just started coming up with scenes that make absolutely no sense and are super distracting to big numbers. So one of the, the scenes that we came up with, this is a long conversation just to get to this joke. Mm-hmm. I don't care, it's though. It. It's it's a, it was a this was a year long process to get to this joke, honestly. And one of the things that we came up with was um, in Little Women during um, some things are meant to be really sad number. Everyone's crying. Mm-hmm. Beth is dead. And you just have somebody come in, like one of the ensemble members, and just vacuuming the sand on the beach. Mm-hmm. And like, so distracting. Makes no sense. Why have it there? Terrible directing. It's like, just goes a weird step too far. Where it's just like, well, how are you, are you supposed to know that they're on a beach? Like, just doing those things that are like, <laughs> we got, like, it's just dumb, over the top, doesn't make sense. And that's where we, I mean... Within our circles, we'll call it vacuuming the sand vacuuming directing, sand. where it's like dumb direction, where they're like, well, we have to, for the dumbest reasons, on the idea that the audience will not get something very clear and very simple. Oh, yeah. People get so into, like, the the tiniest little things that do not matter. Yeah. Set changes. Oh. Nobody Cares. There are some there. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. There are some such mm-hmm. changes where I was like, you you didn't do anything. You didn't make a change. Right. You like moved a staircase, and you're like, we're in a different room of the house, which I'm is like, fine if it's functional. No, great. it's never if it's functional. If it's like we're moving this staircase so we can access this other 
part of the sure. stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. If it's I think necessary. that's awesome and like really cool. But it's like people who are like, you know, they move a couch from stage left to stage right. And they're like, because when the couch is on stage right, that means they're in this house. And yeah. it's like, you know what? Just just figure it out in a different way. Because it yeah. always becomes this thing of like when there, when there's too many set changes in a show, you know. We are not on a Broadway budget. No. We don't have hydraulic sets that come in and out. Yeah. I, you know, I once saw a show, and I won't name the show. uh, That's what we do here. But I once saw a show that is a very long show to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, A very long and serious show. And the setting of the show goes from inside a character's house to outside a character's house to inside a character's house to outside a character's house. Kind of like almost alternating scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a big house exterior when I walked in. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's pretty big. That's impressive that they built that as a part of their set. And then we got to the end of the first scene and the lights went out and I heard like, the wheels or, yep oh as oh, they yep. turned the house around where the house set impressively enough had a whole interior too mm-hmm. and looked awesome yeah and then they did the second scene and then blackout and then they turned it back around yeah and they did that every time and the show was like 3 hours and 45 oh, minutes long and i swear 45 minutes of it was set changes. Oh, absolutely. Because it never went quick. It's hard. They were moving this massive fucking house. Um and it's you know, it's fine. Again, that is a vision. That's nice that someone was like, we're gonna do interior and exterior to make sure people really get it. But also, if you had, like, a wall and maybe, like, brought on a chair every once in a while, people would have gotten it. Suspension of disbelief is it's way stronger yeah. than you think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I feel the same way about, like, when, when a director just goes, like, way too hard into, like, any other kind of concept. Like, the set is one thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful with 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 adding concepts to musicals. And I know that, and I said this at the beginning, it's hard to have a vision for something so concrete as like a written, finished script that you are renting the license to. Yeah. So people add weird things. They'll set a show in a totally inappropriate like time period or setting mm-hmm. and then just like never explain why it's yeah. like that. They don't really complete the vision or they'll or make it work or make it work cohesively. Yeah. Or, you know, adding an ensemble to a show that doesn't have an ensemble yeah. is often just a disaster. Yeah. Um, and I think that we need to, to, to be very careful with that, especially as we get into like, you know, we'll, I've added this concept and it's a metaphor for blank. Let's just go into that topic. Yeah. We're skipping a little bit. That's fine. That's fine. Because it's, it, this they was a big They don't see the letter. outline. We see the outline. It's, but I <laughs> see the outline. Um, it's I fine. I saw the segue and I took it. You, the, you know what? You made a smart choice. You made a 
goal. You I have a vision. A, I, I had a and vision. And you made a choice. I made a choice. Amazing. Yeah. We got to talk about these metaphors. Pick <laughs> a metaphor. Maybe two. Pick one or two ideas, themes, con- <laughs> like th- these things that like have an underlying effect on the story that the audience can eventually pick up on and follow and stick with it. If you have, I, because Trey knows exactly what I'm talking about. There, I, I saw a show recently where it was just, the whole show was just metaphors. It was just all metaphors. Everything, there were so many things where I was like, I don't know why that happened. I don't know what it was. And then later it was explained to me and I was like, no. No, it wasn't like that. Like, I get why they were trying to do it, but an audience member doesn't want to think too hard. They're already trying to enjoy the show, the story as written. So if you're like adding on the like, oh, we did this weird thing in the background every once in a while that like only makes sense to maybe me. And so a lot of shows. I find fall into kind of two categories in my brain there are shows that have like a point to make and like uh you know they're they're commenting on something about society or society at the time maybe Mm -hmm. or something in a time period you know there are shows that definitely make these like big bold statements and i think those are great and then there are shows that are like escapism Mm -hmm. just fun yeah theater which and we need both yeah we need both when people take particularly escapism shows Mm -hmm. and try to make a statement with it oh boy does it just (laughs) go up in flames immediately yeah that's not what the audience wants and maybe that's your point to like make the audience uncomfortable Find a way of doing. Find a better way. Do a different show. Do it. Do maybe. Do a different show. I, you know, uh, not to make a, a very obscure reference, but have you ever heard um, Gutenberg the musical? Yes, I think I listened to it once. Yeah, it's like a two-hander. It's super cheap to do. It's uh, the guys who wrote it. I think went to the same. Or we're in the same program as sure. like the Star Kid team. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yep. And it's a two-hander about these people who are presenting their workshop for Gutenberg the musical about Johann Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. It's hysterical because as the show progresses, you find out that they a like are not great at writing a musical. Mm-hmm. They're also playing all the parts, the oh, two yeah, of yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you find out that they did no research about Johann <laughs> Gutenberg other than the fact that he invented the printing press. Sure. It's very funny. If if you haven't listened to it, the soundtrack is out there. It's a fun listen. Uh, in the beginning of the show, and this is exactly what we're talking about, mm-hmm. and it is one of the funniest jokes in the entire show, mm-hmm. They're going on and on about, like, we wrote this, like, I wrote the music, he wrote the lyrics, it's so fun, it's about Johann Gutenberg, we're so happy, and and then out of nowhere, one of them is just like, now we want to talk about something serious. Our show has to be about something serious, because (laughs) then it's important, so we've chosen to also make our show about the Holocaust. Oh my god. And it it comes out of nowhere and Mm -hmm. is related to nothing, and is somehow perfectly what theaters do yes. all the time yeah 
let's have this be a metaphor for something. Let's add in this setting. Yeah. Like, let's put it under this kind of um, environment. Now, there are shows that you can do that with. Yeah. Like uh, Godspell, Jesus Christ Superstar. These mm-hmm. are like shows that you can. Yes. They're, can they're almost built to be put in different settings. And mm-hmm. I've seen like Shakespeare shows be put in different yeah. settings. Very, very um, like to great effect. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's you have just, to you... be very thoughtful about it. You have to see your vision through. You have to make sure that it makes sense. Maybe workshop it with somebody. Maybe ask like one person like, hey, if I do this, is it going to ruin this entire show? Like you can't workshop that in a community theater. Well, the workshop yeah. is the show. The, I guess the workshop is the show. <laughs> True. You can't do it. But I just think if you're going to make a bold choice, really think it through. Spend a lot of time thinking about how it will work. What will the audience feel when they see it? Does it is it cohesive? Or is it kind of just like masturbatory? Yeah. I, like, yeah. does it make you feel good to have said that you did it? Or does it actually work with the show? Yeah. That's a that's that's a good way to put that. I like yeah. that a lot. Just yeah. think think it through. And I'm also, you know, I'm a I'm a fan of try and fail. Like community theater is the best sure. place to try and fail. You should be a, a, this is actually my I always, whenever I'm critical in my head, I've gotten a lot better about, like, critical first and then afterwards thinking, okay, but, like, was what was the good side of this? Like, what was, you're upset. Like, I was like, th- I, I didn't like the direction of the show because there were way too many metaphors. And then I was like, but you know what? A community theater show had the budget and and was and somebody was given the, the freedom and the license to do something different and try and fail in my opinion but you know what that's a good thing that's what we want from community theater true so that's the upside but you know what i would also love if people did something bold and thought it all the way through that's the next step of like do something bold and like do it well and make it make it clear yeah make Make it clear clear. don't let the audience have it let them yeah. let them be able to experience it because it's not like a Netflix show where somebody can rewatch it a million times and be like, "Oh my god, I didn't pick up on this." Right. The, the person is seeing one, the audience is seeing it once. You have to make yeah. sure that you get your point across in that one show. And you know what? It, we talk about we we do want people to make choices. We want people to have themes. We want have people to have visions. It is okay if you say, "You know what? We're gonna go a purist route." If you don't feel like you have that vision, it's okay to just say, we're going to do the show. Yeah. And I, that's, and we're just going to do the show. I don't even think it's like, we're going to go a purist route with this. I think it really is just, you know, what we're going to do is we're just going to do the show. Yeah. This is a show that we've chosen because I like it. And we're just going to do it as it's written. Yeah. With these people who are involved. Mm -hmm. That's the change. Is yes, it's the people. These Give people your actors are involved. the opportunity to make their own choices in this. Yeah. And that's where you can... So you can say, like, we're not going to do anything weird. We're going to try to do it very much, you know, traditionally. I think that um, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I... And right out of high school, but before I moved up here, I uh, did, like... I was in like an improv group at our local theater Mm -hmm. and one, you know, everybody always talks about like, well, the number one rule of improv is yes. And Mm -hmm. we had another very great rule, which I've taken with me whenever I've had to do any sort of like 
any sort of writing, improv, like whatever, uh, no inside jokes. Oh, absolutely. No inside jokes, yeah. right? Because inside jokes aren't funny to, to the an audience. audience. No. I feel like a lot of like conceptual stuff that directors bring in and they're like, this is my big concept. This is what I've always been thinking about with this musical. Mm -hmm. It's just a big inside joke. Nobody else gets it. It's only for you. You may think it's brilliant. Your friends who you've told this to mm -hmm. for X amount of time, yeah. you think it's brilliant, but it's an inside joke. The audience isn't going to pick up on it. The right. audience is not in on the joke. The audience is not in on the concept, right? Yeah. Uh, and it should be again. If you're doing a con, if you're doing a concept, you're doing an idea, you're doing a metaphor. If the audience doesn't get it, or it's not easily gotten, then you failed mm -hmm. at it. You didn't mm -hmm. do it properly, mm -hmm. and you have to tone it down a little bit. Yeah, there's always that thing of like people always say like, "Oh, the audience is dumb." So and that's okay. To, but I I disagree I mean I disagree with it because I think the the audience is smarter than you are because the audience is figuring out where to put their money and if they want to come and see sure. the shows. In that sense um, yes they are. But so you have to you have to then appease them yeah. to make them come back and see shows. Yeah. There I and I I come into someone who like you talked about like shows that make a point versus mm -hmm. escapism and I'm somebody who like like in general i like shows that make a point oh, more sure. than escapism i like to think that's like my my critical mind is kind of always thinking about like what is what is happening here why does this work why don't right. i like it um so i i do get i think i get a little bit madder than the average theater goer when i'm like why why did that happen i hated it it shouldn't have been there and then to find out like this was the point and i was like no no it wasn't like it wasn't consistent. It didn't make sense. It wasn't clear. It like, might have been the point, but there wasn't a point. Yes, sure. Um, okay, we're gonna backtrack backtrack well, a little bit in the outline, but we're not really backtracking in our our conversation. Yeah, let's start over. Anyway, so stage direct. Oh my god, get rid of him. Um, I want to talk about like so we've talked a little bit about how like stage directors are just called like default director um and it comes from this idea that like the the stage director is in charge of everything because they are the ones that come up with the vision they are the ones that make decisions about everything we've talked about it on other episodes where your director probably tells you the um makeup they tell you like how to do your hair rather right. than getting real people right. to do these things. They just kind of become the like default. It's their vision. So they have to make every single decision. Um, and because they, and this, I mean, it's community theater. You may not have the budget for all of the people mm -hmm. and like you have to work with who you have to work with, who you have. So sometimes you may not trust your music director or your sure. choreographer to, to do what they need to do in your vision. Um, and that's why they become these, like, the leader, the person that everyone looks up to, the most important person in the room. And that's why as a stage director, you you have a very big responsibility towards psychological safety of your entire team. Um, and this, this is true for all people involved. Everybody is in, has a role to play in psychological safety, but as the director, you are the leader and people take their cues from you, not a pun, um, and you have you kind of have that responsibility. So especially when you're working with actors who 
when you are telling somebody to act, or especially depending on what kind of show you're doing, acting is a very vulnerable state mm-hmm. that you're putting. Having to perform ever is very vulnerable. Yes. So making sure that they feel comfortable to make mistakes, to fail, yeah. to try again, um, to to tr- you know to to make make choices is very important. Um, and also kind of lead that feeling toward, for everyone of this is what psychological safety means to you. Right. Having those conversations about the show, about the themes, about the – we talked about the conversations around character motivation, making sure that it works for the actor. Because if you if, – if an actor is like, this is actually where I saw the motivation. This is how I feel the character arc. This is what resonates best with me. And you're like, actually, I want you to go in a completely different direction and do something completely different. And they're like, I just, I don't feel that. Like, I'm having a hard time with it. You need to have the wherewithal to have that conversation of how, what can we do to meet in the middle? Is like, can I, how do you, how do you work as a, a, a collaborative team to say, okay, like, wh- let's find where your comfort level is. Where, where are the, the pieces that fit together with us? Right. Um, find those themes and, and see if you can work it out together. Yeah. Well, and also just like, just as a general thing, like you need to know how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. You need to know how to give criticism that is constructive. Yes. And not destructive. Um, you know, I remember being in a show and like, staging like the big like title number solo of the show and the director just being like that's all wrong you're doing it all wrong and, and I was that's like, it i was like, oh, like okay. okay well what would you like me to do because here is where i'm at with yeah it. well that's just wrong and it's boring and it it's bad and i was like oh okay well now i don't want to do anything yeah now i now, yeah, now i don't it's like- care now, if if the if I'm just gonna get berated and right. like feel like I'm a bad actor, right? Then I don't want to make a choice because right. then if I make another choice and it's bad, I'm just this is what's gonna, it's, you know, if you touch a hot stove and it hurts, you're not gonna do it again, right? Basic p- human behavior. So yeah, like you should be like beware of how you're speaking to people. There's a lot of yelling that goes on. I find. And it, most of it is totally unnecessary. There's, there's no need for negative yelling, and le- like, no, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it as broadly as that. I mean, there are situations where, absolutely, you can be like, "What the fuck is going on here? Please reevaluate your life choices, all of them." I think that's where we differ. Well, the thing is, it's generally not anything that's going on, like. On stage. Nothing is that serious that's going on on stage in a community theater. Um, You know, there's a lot of tech week really gets to people. It really tends to like get under the skin. And I've I've never been that person. I'm just like, yeah, it's just it's just a bunch of rehearsals where Mm -hmm. we're putting in we're putting in all the exciting stuff. Why is everyone not thrilled right now? And people are just yelling. Directors are screaming. And it's like, why why you could be the biggest uplifter right now yeah and you're choosing to be like a completely negative presence and people like people 
your your cast and your team will take note of that. They oh, will sure. they will t- they will feed off of that energy. So if you're stressed and you're yelling at people and you're throwing temper tantrums because a lighting cue was missed, right? It's going to make the process more stressful and more tense. And people are going to people your your actors will change the way that they act on stage because now your director is upset. Oh, for sure. And if you make a wrong choice, you don't like you get yelled at and you don't want that. No. So like I I'm I'm somebody who like I'm I'm even though I don't practice it as much, I am trying more and more to like understand that nothing is solved with negative yelling. It can be done with empathy and empathy training of like having that conversation. And yes, it takes a little bit more time and it may be less effective short term. But honestly, I think it's it's going to give you better results long term. You like it's it's not like oh you just let people walk all over you. It's like no, you can stand firm and have a conversation with somebody without feeling like you need to be the most powerful person in the room with your voice and your body language. I think that uh, a lot of it sometimes will come down to like if something is frustrating and abjectly bad and not getting better and you get frustrated about it that's fine that's a human yeah. emotion that's not burden it, that you for, should put on somebody else well though. for me it comes to when people are like my vision is not being executed i'm upset about you not doing my things and it's sure like, it's like yeah you can't can just yeah you're allowed to be upset i just yeah, I think people just sometimes need to take a step back and be like, it's just, it's just theater. Yeah, it's supposed to be a fun to, process. We don't need to throw things. No, we don't never. need to scream obscenities. There should be no threatening you can, behavior or language. You can absolutely say, "Hey, this is bad because of A, B, and C. Let's figure out how to fix it." That is like a collaborative thing. If you are frustrated, but you need to take a second and calm down and be like. I'm seeing that this is not going right and we need to fix it. Yeah. Uh, that is, that like, is the empathetic conversation. Instead of screaming, you know. Yeah. Why the fuck are you doing that? Yeah. And I like if you're it is OK to be stressed. It is OK to be frustrated. It happens. Yeah. But again, you you take on this role as a leader and you, that has weight, that has responsibilities. You need to practice what you do in a stressful situation when you're frustrated and how you are going to cha- like learn new behavior around yeah, it. Yeah, it's very interesting to see how people deal with stress because I've totally seen directors scream and yell and all of that mm-hmm. many, many times. I've also seen directors just completely check out Yeah, when the things checkout, aren't yeah. going. And I got to tell you, in the situation that I'm thinking of, that I think you'll remember. Maybe. Uh check out because things weren't going their way Mm -hmm. and just like i don't remember but i believe you oh it's fine we'll talk about it later yeah like we always do (laughs) there's a lot of discussion that goes on after this podcast i'm just like now what were you talking about yeah listen we're not trying to get sued here (laughs) we keep things very vague i just i and we like people you know and i will also say people make mistakes some of these things happened oh, years sure. ago, and we hope that they've learned from it, and we don't want anybody to get canceled because of it. And that's why we're vague. But then we, like, shit talk afterwards because, yeah, of course, you know, 
Of course. Yeah. So that's that's our thoughts on stage direction and the role of a, a director. Let us know if you have different thoughts about what the role of a director should be in yeah. a community theater setting. Absolutely. Because I, I feel like it is kind of because we see directors often wearing so many hats. Mm-hmm. People have different takes on like, well, when I direct, I actually think about it like this. Or when yeah. I like working with directors who do these things. And I'd love to hear a lot of different opinions on this because I feel like they will all wildly vary and oh, different. Absolutely. Send us your like horror stories too. I love reading those. Yeah. As long as they're not too horrible. like As long as they're like, I don't know. And you can totally put people's names in there and we'll just not say We won't say air. the names. This is just but between we us girls. Know. We want to know. We do, yeah. Um, and, and Adam, how can people reach out to us? Oh my God, what a great question. Um, you can reach out to us at theatermandate at gmail.com. That is all one word with no dashes. Theatermandate at gmail.com. Please email us. Um, you can also DM us on Instagram if you want. You can message us on Twitter. Um, I don't, you can leave a comment on our videos on TikTok, but it'll be a little bit weird. Um, I don't think you can message someone. Yeah, can, yeah, you can. You can. Oh, then message us on t- TikTok as well. All of our socials are theater mandate, all one word, no dashes. Um, <laughs> so please, yes, uh, follow us on these platforms. Email us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. yeah that's it. That's it. Have a good, good holiday, holiday season. Yeah. yeah. All right. Bye, Adam. Bye, Trey.